This is Sierra Tyson, ELA specialist at Unbound Ed. This year, I've launched a project called The Education Nomad, where I travel across the country to meet with educators to learn more about the intersection of equity, curriculum, and education. You can learn more at Education Nomad on Twitter and The Education Nomad on Instagram. Today, I have the honor of having a conversation with Mariama Cisse St. Paul. Mariama Cisse St. Paul is Vice Principal of Curriculum and Instruction at Science Park High School in the Newark Public School District. She began her career as an educator in 2000 as a Teach for America Corps member. Over the past 18 years, Mariama has assumed the role of high school English teacher, teacher coach, department chairperson, and supervisor of language arts literacy in the district curriculum office. Originally from Park Forest, Illinois, Mariama now resides in New Jersey. She is a graduate of Florida A&M University, Rutgers University, Newark, and William Patterson University. It's a pleasure to have you here. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, of course. I've known you now for about two years, and I am so impressed by your wealth of knowledge. So tell our listeners about your path to becoming an educator. I actually didn't want to be an educator. I know. Shame on me, right? But it found me. I was actually a graduate student working on my master's in English, and I received a teaching assistantship. And so I was teaching English 101 and 102 courses, and I liked it. And so I was like, you know what? I think I want to become a teacher. And so I looked into Teach for America, and they accepted me. They placed me at Malcolm X Shabazz High School in Newark, and I've been in Newark ever since. That's amazing. I've heard a little bit about Shabazz. So what are some of the challenges with regards to fostering equity and implementing rigorous aligned curriculum that you found in your many roles as an educator? I think the main thing is helping teachers believe that students can rise to meet high expectations as long as you build in the scaffolds that they need. And so sometimes people will set a bar that's just way too high because they're not really helping students reach it. And other times they'll set a bar that's just way too low because their own personal biases make them think that the students, for whatever reason, can't even reach a bar. And so while I've been in Newark, I've always been working with people to help them understand that if you believe they can do it and you believe that you can create activities for them, then they can and will do it. That's awesome. What advice can you give our listeners about coaching ELA teachers around this? I would say that you have to work on asking reflective questions because nobody wants anything pushed down their throat. And because you have teachers who have been teaching for different amounts of years, you have to be very careful with how you introduce them to new things. And you have to be realistic around the expectations that you set for them. Because at the end of the day, people enjoy being comfortable. And they don't always want to admit that sometimes being comfortable breeds complacency. And so you have Mm -hmm. to ask reflective questions so that people are honest with themselves about the changes that they need to make because the shifts in education keep on happening. And if you are stuck 10 years back and we've had three major shifts since then and you don't want to shift, then you're not doing what's in the best interest of the students who sit before you. Yes. 
And it's not always easy to make that shift. So I've had the opportunity to co-facilitate with you at Standards Institute, and it has taught me a lot. Describe some of the aha moments you've witnessed teachers experience in your room. I think the best one, or the one that stands out the most, is when high school English teachers realize that even though they have not been trained to be reading specialists, there are still a lot of things they can do in their classrooms to help students who are working extremely hard to become proficient readers. And so I've been able to give them a vocabulary so that they can describe the issues that they see with their students when they are trying to engage in reading complex texts. And so now they don't just say, my students don't know how to read. Now they know how to say, my students need more help around vocabulary. My students need more help around automaticity, things like that. So I'm giving them a voice and they're able to then go out and research different strategies and activities that are specific to the, the issues that they see they need to help their students with. And that's always a great thing because then they, feel, they, they leave feeling like they have something to take home and something that's going to help them improve their practice. And I take pride in the fact that I've helped them have that feeling. That's great. And we thank you for doing that. So can you describe some aha moments that you've had while facilitating at Sanders Institute? You know, my biggest aha is just how different things are across this nation. It is just amazing to me that we've said that we're we're becoming more common, but in the <laughs> in the race to become more common, it seems like we're just becoming just different. And it it amazes me at the pace at which different states are moving and it, it really confuses me why certain states feel the need to change little words around the Common Core standards or within the standards in order to make it their own state standards when the whole point was for us as a nation to become more common. And so that always gets me. But I like the fact that in the room, no matter where everybody's from, by the time we get to the end of our workshops, everybody does see the commonalities in the work that we're all doing. And that makes me feel proud. That's great. So what's one thing you are going to take back with you to your district? Um, continuing to ask people, is what you do in the best interest of you or is what you do in the best interest of students? Because I found that that is the number one question for me that has helped people reflect about their practices and to really ground them in this work around equity. Yes, that quote was really powerful. It actually makes me think about what we talked about in our session around text complexity and whether or not we are choosing our texts because we enjoy reading the text and we read this when we were younger or if we're actually choosing texts that are going to hit the standards. So can you tell me one of the most powerful things about using grade level complex text with all students? The significance is that we're really trying to create social, socially progressive beings, right? 
And we have to make sure that we're giving all students the tools of power that they need to be successful in the society and to also have as many opportunities as they possibly can have. And anytime you arm somebody with literacy, you are opening the door to opportunity. And so that is the major importance behind giving them the text that they need because you know that that's what they need and not because you don't want to do it because it's too hard for you or you haven't taught that before. So now you have to throw out your old lesson plans. Again, it cannot be about what you want. It has to be about what the students need because they are growing into a society that is different from the one that we grew up in. And we have to prepare them for that, not what we went through. Mm -hmm. So using complex text with students who are behind grade level, this is something that comes up a lot in our sessions. How can we best help students who are below grade level? You have to get creative. You have to look into different strategies that are gonna help you give students plenty of opportunities to speak, to listen, to discuss, to share their thoughts, to change their opinions, to delve deeply into the text and then talk about what it is that they got from it. And you need to know how to pace it. You need to know how to chunk the text. You need to become very proficient in forming the questions that you want them to answer so that they can make meaning from what they're trying to read. And so they may not be able to access it on their own. You have to be the driver behind how they will be able to get into that text and then move around within it. Because success breeds success. And so if you get creative and you find things that work for you, keep using them. That's great. We talk a lot about equity here and grounding our, our work in, at the intersection of both standards, aligned content and curriculum, and equitable instructional practices. So Mariama, to promote equity, what's one key move all educators should have in their toolkit? I'd say they need to put the students first. They absolutely have to put the students first in terms of their expectations, in terms of the activities that they provide for them, in terms of the questions that they ask them, in terms of the text that they use. You have to put the student at center stage. And you have to make sure that you talk to your students and you listen to them and you give them opportunities to read out loud. So if there's something that needs tweaking, you know now what it is, and then you can look for how to help them fix it. But like we had on the back of our shirts, when you know better, you have to do better. And at this point, once you know, now you have to do. Awesome. And thank you so much for joining us today. Before we leave, do you have any final thoughts? Standards Institute is great. And if you haven't been here, you need to get your district to send you because we're more than willing and ready to have and host you and help widen your lens around this whole experience that is teaching, learning, and equity. Thank you very much, Mariana.